The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome to this week's episode of The True Fiction Project. In this special episode, we feature comedians and public speakers of Season 3. To kick us off, let's start with the public speaker Brian Golke. Brian specializes in using body language and face reading. He discusses the facial features to look for when speaking with someone to uncover the best way to interact with them. Then we hear a short story How to Human 101 by Parker James, where we follow an alien in a human body trying to learn the art of face reading. Let's take a listen. The number one skill that helped me the most was learning how to analyze people's faces because two things happen. Number one, you're giving people your time and attention. And when you do that in this day and age of smartphones and smartwatches and everything else, that's a rarity. And people actually feel seen and heard. And when you can make little modifications in what you want to say to how they would best receive it, it's like you're speaking their language and then they feel connected. So they pay attention when you're paying attention to them. But then when you start speaking somebody's language, it's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. How to Human 101, written and read by Parker James. Okay, Zeldar. Try and take a deep breath. Just a normal human, what do they call them? A networking event? What a strange name. Why does Titus IX University have to make their human suits so itchy? I wonder if it's 60% pure human, like Rufus said they were. Whatever, just do the stupid assignment, ask Human Studies 101, and get back to polycarbon music chain engineering and make it big off-world. Zeldar's thoughts raced as he made his final adjustments to his human mask at the front lobby door of the Bellagio. Las Vegas was one of the last places on Earth, or really any planet he wanted to be on. The way the rapid change of climate made Zeldar's skin and eyes crawl baffled him. Why wouldn't humans just make everywhere the same climate? They can make a social media company control elections? They can't make the desert wet? Zeldar thought to himself as he opened the freezer door of air conditioning to the lobby of the strange temporary home the desert-dwelling humans. Okay, Zeldar, what is the name they gave you? Zeldar looked in his ocular computer screen only to find his human cover name was Randy Randerson. Well, Zeldar didn't spend a ton of time actually paying any attention in his human studies class. Even he knew this was a stupid name. As he strolled through the various gambling and drinking halls of the Bellagio, Zeldar couldn't help but marvel at the way humans would trade bits of green paper for plastic discs and play little kid games for usually fewer bits of green paper in a final exchange. 
Soon he found the correct conference room for his assignment. His ocular computer said the conference was something to do with marketing in the general sense, but he didn't truly care enough to learn. He didn't like interacting with his own species, let alone these weird, confusing, and often violent hairless apes. It was no matter for Zeldar. He didn't have much of a choice but to push the conference door open and take his first step inside. His main assignment stated that he needed to use various face-reading techniques to try and make at least one honest human connection. The conference was bustling with 876 people, according to Zeldar's ocular computer. Obscure brands and product ads plastered the walls and made Zeldar's head spin. Very few of the products were in his human guide, and the rest were just making him feel extremely uncomfortable about their true nature. Isu scanned the rune for a single human to attempt his face-reading techniques to make a friend or at least a low-mark connection for his class. Across the main floor stood a human man roughly the same size as Zeldar's human disguise. This human was dressed in a simple navy suit, cropped almost balding hair, fresh brown shoes, and an almost perfectly round face shape. Does that mean he's young or old? I guess I'll find out, Zeldar thought as he walked up to the man. Zeldar said. The man looked up from his phone with a confused, slightly offended look. My name is Randy Branderson. What do the humans here call you? Zeldar continued. The man had dropped his offended look, but was still equally confused by Zeldar's introduction. Uh, hi, I'm Mark Clarkson. Can I help you with something? Ah, yes, I can tell by your overly round face you are naturally helpful and friendly. Zeldar stated while attempting a smile, but mostly looked like he was baring his teeth. You call me overweight? The man grumbled back. Uh, of course not. I can just see in your eyebrows that you're trying to work an angle by the 22.4 degree angle of the inward points. The man wasn't sure how to respond, let alone continue the conversation. Well, um, rando, was it? Uh, I think I'm getting called over there. Enjoy the conference. Zeldar couldn't see anyone or anything that would have gotten the man's attention, but alas, the man was quick to rudely rush away from Zeldar. This unsocial alien did try to complete his university assignment by speaking to more and more of the humans, but soon utter strangers were avoiding him like the plague. Feeling like a complete failure, he left the conference room to find one of the many poison dispensary ledges, or as the humans would call them, bars. Zeldar ordered some kind of fruit juice with no poison and stared deeply into the dirty glass. Hey man, everyone loses money here, the bartender said to Zeldar. Zeldar looked up from his stained glass and noticed the female bartender looking at him with what his textbook was said was pity. She had very rounded eyebrows, wide soft eyes, and a rather diamond-shaped face. He decided not to mention them at all and just tried acting like what he thought a human might act like. Eh, tell me about it. I've tried to read out the room, but nothing has happened. Everything seemed to just want to run away from me. Well, you're not alone. It happens to the best of us. Now on to the comedians. First, we'll feature Gastor Almonte. Gastor is a Comedy Central featured comedian and storyteller from Brooklyn, New York. Gastor shares his experience being a first-generation immigrant and what it was like having parents who came here from the Dominican Republic. Then we hear a short story he wrote titled Brought Together by Bagels. This story is about new neighbors who struggle with garbage responsibility but ultimately come together over their love of bagels. Such a New York story. Let's take a listen. 
Well, the album's called Immigrant Made because my parents and my aunts, uncles, and my grandparents are all immigrants to this country, and they played a, a vital role in me being the man I am today. So, like, all of my worldviews developed by the time I spent with them, and even more so, just, like, the style of comedy I do is super conversational and I, I learned that from hanging out with my uncles and my dad on the stoop on Sundays and just telling stories. So only difference is I do it in English, they did it in Spanish, right? That's about it. Other than that, I still feel like I'm just talking like my uncles did every Sunday and I got to watch this comedy class every Sunday with them. Outside of that, I just think that the best American stories are all immigrant stories. They're people that came here and wanted something better for the country, wanted something better for their family, and those things kind of go hand in hand. Brought together by bagels. When I bought my house, I was really excited because I'd have my own parking spot. In Brooklyn, that's huge. If you haven't ended a work shift, a trip to the mall, or a night out with the girls with a half-hour search for parking, you haven't driven in the five boroughs. It's why everyone takes trains. But I have kids, and I got tired of swiping my Metro card four times every time I wanted to go in any direction. My only issue, my block isn't shaped like most blocks. It's not a square or a rectangle. It's technically a right trapezoid, but we call it a triangle. The side that exists to make it a trapezoid is small. Why am I so hyper-aware of the shape of my block? Because it led to a war with my neighbor. My driveway starts where the back of his building ends, and both of these things meet at the obtuse angle of this block. Who cares, you think? Why would you fight over angles? Because angles are defined by lines, and lines are used to define property. And when you define property, you can assign responsibility. My parking gate opens in the direction of my neighbor's building's backyard. When the wind blows, all sorts of street garbage, leaves, trash, and more accumulates against his wall, which makes it impossible to open my gate fully to take out my car. Not a little bit of trash either. It's tons. I can throw out a solid bag of garbage from the area weekly. The first three weeks of my home-owned, street-search-free-in-Brooklyn parking was spoiled by having to clean this wall each time I wanted to leave and return to my home. Finally, I broke and rang my neighbor's bell. Hey, I didn't mean to bother you, but the trash out back gets pretty crazy. I didn't say more because I expected him to apologize and take it on like a normal person. Yeah, I've heard. Good luck with that. Good luck with that? Who says that? I was blown away with how flippant this guy had been about his wall. No, I mean, that's the trash that builds up back there. It keeps me from opening up my gate so I can't drive in and out of my spot. I hear you, but I'm never back there. And I know that if you need to pull up or out of your spot, you'll have to clean it anyway, so I never need to. The city will give you a ticket. It would have to pile up for weeks before they did that. You'll use your driveway before that ever happens. I was fuming, but he'd won. I initially let it pile up for two weeks as I had a vacation, but I spent the entire vacation just checking my backyard three, four, sometimes five times a day just to see his wall gather more trash he wasn't taking. Finally, I gave in and cleaned it myself. He'd won. Besides, it was my only issue with the new house. Love the place. I even had the corner store right next to my house. I'd start my day the same way every day. I'd go outside and order a bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel every morning during my first year of home ownership. But when the quarantine started, things got different. 
I knew the city meant business the second morning of the lockdown because when I showed up to place my order, Poppy told me, Sorry, you gotta wait. We didn't get our bread last night. He said he'd come in this morning. You wanna wait or you want it on a roll? I'll wait. I'm a man of patience. While waiting, my neighbor walks in. I heard him order bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel. I guess bad people can have good taste in sandwich bread options. But just as Poppy told me, I heard him share the same news of his current lack of bagels. My neighbor also decides to wait, but seeing me in the store, we stand on opposite sides. As we're waiting, others come into the store and we hear them place their orders for breakfast. Over and over again, I keep hearing people either order their breakfast on a roll or cave when the bagel isn't there and start their day off on the wrong foot. Madness! After 15 minutes, I witness dozens of people start their day off wrong. Eventually, my friend Gina walks in and I hear him place his order. No bagels? Just put it on a roll then. And I snap. What are you doing, girl? It's too big a difference. Isn't it basically the same? No, not at all. Rolls lack the structural integrity to hold up for an entire commute with hot ingredients inside. It's fine for a spread, but when you upgrade to a bacon, egg, and cheese, the roll is now punching above its weight class. Nah, I mean, I prefer the bagel, but it's not that serious. Before I can continue, my neighbor jumps in. It really is. How are you going to eat the second half of the sandwich? By the time you get to that part, the roll is lost to the egg and cheese, and it's just a hot milkshake at that point. It can't hold it. Exactly, I yell in support of my neighbor. And in that moment, realizing I'd found an odd ally. Suddenly, a debate sparks. The bodega regulars, Gina, and a few others outnumber me and my neighbor in the roll versus bagel breakfast sandwich bread debate. But we don't budge. As we're doing this, the delivery arrives. And besides getting our sandwiches, we order two extra BECs, one on a bagel and one on a roll. We ask Poppy to cut it into four pieces, and we offer people bites of both before ordering, starting an unofficial taste test. We agree that the losing side will pay the winners 50 bucks and cover the cost of the taste test sandwiches. Try both. Close your eyes if it helps, we tell the customers. Surprisingly, not everyone wants to get involved. I'm not sure if it's because it's odd to ask random people to try sandwich bites at the corner store under the J train, or if, like most New Yorkers, they got other things to do. We ordered another two sandwiches, then two more sandwiches. But after a while, we see that it's tied up at 10 each. Sadly, we lost two pieces to sloppy handling, leaving us with one piece of each sandwich for all the marbles. This man walks in, and we've never seen him before. He's not from the neighborhood, a random. A random could swing the vote. He's not from here, but he's from the city, so he's comfortable in the space. He's ordered sandwiches at a Brooklyn deli before. Let me get a bacon, egg, and cheese. And before he continues, we ask, bagel or roll? We asked in sync, which initially shocks him. What the heck? And we apologize, informing him he's entered a tough debate. We catch him up, and he laughs. And he looks at everyone and confesses he's never given it much thought, but will do so today. We watch him bite into both sandwiches, then look at us, then turn to Poppy, then look at us again. Bagel. Me and my neighbor erupt in cheers. Fifty bucks richer. We high-five the new guy who says he's just here because he had a fun Tinder date last night that ended this morning. He tried the deli across the street first, but he didn't like the vibe and came here. We cover his breakfast out of our winnings. Random guy, the neighbor, and I walk out the store laughing and eating our sandwiches, bonding over our shared superior stance on sandwiches. 
We ended up walking together to my backyard as I needed to open my gate to drive out and do errands, and he was going to walk to the train. I say peace to him, then start staring at the trash that's accumulated in his wall. New guy asked me if this was my gate. I said, yeah, but not my wall. Then my neighbor said, yeah, it's my wall, but his gate. And then the new guy said, no worries, I'll help out. And he starts picking up the trash. My neighbor and I look at each other and smirk before joining him. I'm heading to Portugal. I'm heading there soon. I got to learn the language. So I'm thinking about going for Rosetta Stone's language learning program. Why, you ask? Because they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and something like 25 languages offered. And they don't believe in English translations. So you really learn to speak listen and think in that language. In my case, that's Portuguese. So if you're thinking of learning a language, don't put it off. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, True Fiction Project listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com forward slash today That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Today, guys. And last but not least, here is Chinook Tessera's interview to wrap up this special episode. Chinook is a writer and comedian, and he shares his story of how he went from being a doctor of geography to a stand-up comedian. Then... Inspired by this interview, we will hear a short story titled Faking the Grade. It's written by Michael Kobzik. I remember thinking I hit rock bottom, like at that point, very like sad. I was like, what do I do with my life? What can I possibly do after this? Like I thought I wanted this thing. I worked four years of college, two years of graduate school, putting my life into this. And now I'm like, I don't want this. So I was like, what if I just go to an open mic and try that? I did my set and it was bad. Like, I don't do that set at all anymore, but I got laughs and it felt really good to be on stage in a place that I got to create my own stuff and tell my own story. I remember like the day I was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. I figured luckily hitting rock bottom, like finally forced me to do this thing that I for a long time had been talking about wanting to try. Finally did it. Felt amazing. Yes, I should have been doing this for the past six years. And then now I have to like break it to my parents. Hey, I'm not going to be a doctor of geography, which who needs that even? But I'm not going to be a doctor of geography. I want to be a stand up comedian. And that was incredibly scary for me. I was like, I can't tell them that. That's they didn't come here from Sri Lanka for their kid to go tell jokes on stage in a (laughs) field that is like incredibly unstable that is the like i think if someone told my parents in 93 hey if you come to america your kid's gonna become a stand-up comedian they'd be like we're just gonna stay faking the grade a short story written by michael kobzik i don't go to Durkin donuts to get avocado toast that'd be like going to denny's and asking for filet mignon the small audience at the lap store laughed at yasir's <laughs> joke as he stood on stage his five minutes at the open mic night were almost up There were maybe 20 people sitting around and having drinks. If he was lucky, maybe one or two people would remember his name in the morning. Yasiru looked down at the floor. He imagined all of his idols standing here decades ago, 
Gerald Steinman stood here. He spent all of his teenage years watching every episode of Steinman, but Yasiru didn't feel worthy of the stage. In the last 30 seconds of his set, Yasiru's hand trembled, blasting microphone feedback into the room. Sorry, all right, my time's almost up. Thanks everyone for coming out to see me. And for all the blind people here, thanks for listening. Give it up for Yasiru Giruge. The audience politely clapped as he exited the stage, disappearing into the darkness of the bar. He joined his friend Gio at the bar. Judging by the glasses nearby, he was already two bourbons in. Do good? Weren't you watching? Sorry. Matched with this cute girl down the street and the rest of the world kind of went away? Thanks a lot. I thought I did a little better this time. You're going to get there. Soon you'll be the next Steinman. I'm no Steinman. Doesn't he still come by here sometimes? Who knows, you might get discovered. He'll discover I have no talent. All those workshops, all those classes, hours and hours of practice, and I can barely get any bookings. Not like I have any time anymore. Oh right, you're still doing the doctor thing. You're going to be a doctor in, like, discography? Geography. Yasiru ran his palms over his face. I'm at the very end of my program, but I don't even want to graduate, man. Why not? You'll be the first comedian doctor. A doctorian. Well, that's not a thing. It should be. At least it's a little more dignified than what I've been doing. And that is... I'm playing Mercutio at this Shakespeare in the Park thing next month. I gotta dress up all funky and read all these lines I don't even understand. Geo, Geo, wherefore art thou, Geo? The two friends laughed together before settling back into commiseration. Yasiru turned his phone on and started to flip through his gallery. He saw a group shot of him, Geo, and a bunch of their friends doing improv a couple of months ago. Of course, he got picked to be the doctor of the bit. The audience told him to test Gio's reflexes, and he kicked him in the balls. He couldn't feel anything below the crotch for a week. He flipped to another photo. It was a picture of him, his mother, and his father in front of the Statue of Liberty. They came all the way from Sri Lanka just for their kids. And here I am, slumming it up in a bar somewhere on Fifth Avenue. We're both going to make it. Fake it till you make it. Yasiru's eyes widened. Fake it. Dude, I have an idea. Yasiru always wanted to make people laugh. He was always the kid in the middle of the classroom who had to be the center of attention. And he loved the attention. But Yasiru's parents would rather he had his head down and his pen on the exam page. As an adult, the only thing he was signing was his dropout notice. I'm here by dropping out of my program. Yasiru's notice was written in plain script on a yellow pad of paper. Thank you for your time. He dropped the piece of paper in his advisor's mailbox and closed the door to the department for good. He stepped outside of the sciences building of NYU, the crisp New York air ruffling his brown hair. The gray sky was featureless, save for the gleaming buildings of the nearby metropolis. He tilted his head towards the empty sky. It felt like Yasiru's entire life was before him, extending into oblivion. Yasiru's phone rumbles. It's Gio, his voice marked by distortion from the bad signal. Hey, where are you? I, I had to take care of something. Get over here. We're almost ready for the show. These robes are really itchy. I thought you said you could get the good costumes. Shut up. It was last minute. Now you know what you're going to say? Yeah. Even though his mouth didn't match what was in his head? I'll be right over. Is everything ready? Yeah. You should see how many people are here. Yasiru stopped walking towards the train station. How many people? Gio turned the camera around and Yasiru's heart dropped clear through his chest. His whole phone screen was full of people. Young, old, moms, dads, kids. There were hundreds, maybe a thousand people. And they were all waiting for what was to come. They're all waiting for you, dude. I'll stall them. Now get over here. Yasiru ended the call and dashed down the steps of the subway. After the longest 15 minutes of his life, Yasiru finally arrived to Central Park, right on time for the ceremony to begin. The crowd had multiplied. 
they were listening to the dulcet sounds of the New York Amateur Light Orchestra, performing live in front of the stage. Gio had bribed the conductor with free pizza and champagne. You could tell the curly-haired conductor had pepperoni and fizzing bubbles dancing in his head as he waved his baton. It was the perfect distraction for Yasiru's entrance. He dashed around the crowd, trying to find an entrance to the stage. He found a door cordoned off with police tape and a soul guard standing in front with his arms folded. Excuse me, I'm part of the ceremony. I need to get in. The guard looked down at him, frowning. You look like you're lost. Aren't you supposed to be good with maps? Yasiru's mouth opened wide, and the guard took off his hat and sunglasses to reveal his best friend Gio's smiling face. Dude, what the heck? Yasiru's surprise mixed with his despair. You wanted a cop? You got a clown. Now let's get you on stage. Yasiru hurriedly changed into his graduation cap and gown as the crowd applauded the last song from the light orchestra. Thank you, thank you, and now we are proud to welcome the pride of NYU Doctor of Geography, Yasiru Girug. Yasiru couldn't move. He was feet away from the podium, hidden from the crowd. He felt like he would walk out there and immediately get devoured by the sheer mass of people. Yasiru felt a push from Gio, nearly sending him to the lacquered wood floor. As he steadied himself against the fake podium, Gio gave him a thumbs up. Yasiru accepted the fake diploma from the young woman who shook his hand. Yasiru smiled, turning his head towards the crowd as they applauded. Maybe he would see his parents. Not only did he see his parents, but he saw him. Yasiru did a double take as he saw the man himself. Gerald Steinman. It was as if he had leaped off of the television screen and into the crowd, standing right next to his parents at the edge of the crowd. With sweat running down his forehead, he wrenched himself away from his idol's gaze and towards the crowd at large. As the applause died down, Yasiru stood in front of the largest audience he'd seen in his life. The crowd of people went all the way down to the end of the block. More than half of these people weren't even invited. They just happened to show up and wanted to see the spectacle. It was a miracle, and it was Yasiru's worst nightmare. Uh, um, thank, thank you for coming here to see me. I mean, coming here to... All right, I'm lost. Good thing I'm a geography doctor now, huh? The joke gets some laughs reverberating across the crowd. If anyone puts this on TikTok, make sure you spell my last name right, okay? Don't put A at the end. I already have a lot of people who call me gay. This joke gets more laughs and a stray cackle from an older lady. Right. I want to thank my best friend, Gio. Without him, none of this would be possible. I want to thank his credit cards, too. Just like me, I bet they're at their limit now. The laughs grow. Yasiru looked back at Steinman, standing next to Yasiru's mother and father. His parents looked bemused, but Steinman was just happy to be there. Yasiru looked back at the crowd and clenched his fists. Don't break the bit. He adjusted his microphone, sending a blast of feedback into the crowd. Sorry, sorry. Yasiru closed his eyes. He thought for a second that if he willed it, all of this would be over and he could be back home, where he was a loser, but a safe loser. And most of all, I want to thank my parents. I don't want to point them out since they'd probably kill me if I did. His mother covered her face, but Yasiru could still see her smile. If I had to say one thing, there's not enough words for my parents. They were always so supportive, no matter what stage I stood on. Thank you. The crowd erupts into applause. That was so awesome, dude. Gio popped the cork on a fresh bottle of champagne, dosing him and Yasiru in it immediately. That was amazing. His heart was pounding. Did you see how many phones were out? We're going to go viral. We'll see. Yasiru looked back at the crowd, now dispersing. He looked for Steinman again, but he was nowhere to be found. Yasiru's phone rumbles again. Hello, Dad? Congratulations, Yasiru. Or should I say Dr. Yasiru? 
I hope you enjoyed this look back at the comedians and public speakers of the True Fiction Project podcast, Season 3. And speaking of storytelling, I wanted to share with listeners that Season 2 of Shadow Realm, my YA fantasy fiction narrative podcast, is out. Episodes are being released now, so do look for it on any podcast platform that you tune in to listen to your favorite audio. This is the True Fiction Project, and I am your host, Renita Hora. Here at the True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. Hold up. 